Hello, and welcome back to Lost in Citations, our regular podcast where we speak to the producers of interesting content and see if we can learn anything more about their background. Joining us today are Paul Seveny, Kent Jones, and Abidemi Bankole from Ritamekan Asia Pacific University. Very nice to speak to you three today. Nice Good day. To uh, the paper they're going to be speaking about is Improving the Impact of Undergraduate English Language TAs at a Top Global University, which is uh, something, teaching assistance, that I have investigated in the past, and we're definitely going to get into some of my interest in it. If I could start with Abidemi, what first interested you in the idea of investigating teaching assistance? That's a great question, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were being um, so formal. So when I came to work at Ritzmakan, and I'm not there any longer, but I have a deep love for that university. So when I started, that was my first time working with TAs. And TAs were uh, something, people that came to classrooms, the English language classrooms, and we were supposed to work with them as teachers to get students to improve their language ability. But unfortunately, at that point, it didn't seem like there was a lot being done in terms of training both the teachers and the TAs in terms of working together. So when I came into the picture, what I found was there seemed to be some dissatisfaction on the part of teachers in terms of how to make use of TAs. And some people were skeptical. And I have to be honest, I was the same too. I was skeptical about using TAs and I wondered, I'm supposed to be working with these people, but I'm not sure what, how exactly to go about it. And I'm not sure if they're making a difference. How do I know that what we're doing is actually, does it really matter? So that was where I was approaching it from. Mm -hmm. And then I had a chance to work with Paul. He was, and I believe he still is, the coordinator of TAs back then. So he was already working with TAs in terms of uh, recruiting and um, getting them in the program. So I had a chance to start working with him. So I approached him on that end. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and I, like you, had previously been a teacher and TAs were uh, added to my class. And um, I remember the first class I was teaching was a double class, so I had uh, roughly 50 students in that class. And in my first semester, my TA, I remember, kind of saved my life. Uh, the TA remembered every student's name and face, like in, it seemed like, you know, two days. And I, I don't know how she did that so quickly. And I was new. And, and so it was actually quite helpful for me. But then when I became a coordinator, um, Abidemi, about that time you were talking about um, then the TA program was kind of split apart from our self-access learning center. Uh, and, and so I was put in charge of the administration of it and really wasn't sure, you know, okay, now what do I do? You know, uh, at that point, I had not read a lot of articles about how to run a TA program. And, and honestly, a TA program seemed kind of peripheral to all my training in applied linguistics. Like, okay, well, we're... Uh, uh, you know, developing curriculum and looking at d tasks and all these kind of things that we we normally do as teachers. But then, okay, wait a minute. Now I'm. How do I train teachers and administrate a group of uh, fifty or sixty TAs and make sure that they all get to the right places with the right people? And yeah, so that was kind of the initial sort of shock. Is oh, wait a minute this is really hard to run like 60 TAs and, and 50 teachers or, or more sometimes uh, is a big, a big project. Indeed. And uh, you, you raise the point that there's, that you hadn't done much reading on it, but the problem is that there's not many articles. There's not much research been done into teaching assistants at the undergraduate level, particularly in places uh, like Japan. And, and I'd just like to pick up on, on another point that you made about TAs, helping you out in the initial stages of learning a course because when a TA goes from a previous course to the next course they can be kind of like the genetic memory of the course and just being kind of like to help guide you uh, in certain in certain directions so what was the actual basis for the paper that we're, we're, we're speaking about here so uh, the in the title it says to improve the impact of undergraduate English language TAs what was the motivation to start this actual research project 
I think like Abby Demi was saying, when Abby Demi came and talked to me and said, you know, Paul, the, <laughs> there's some things that could really be improved in this TA program. And, and what I realized was that, that I was being asked to do more than what I could handle by myself as an administrator. And so then I asked for another coordinator to come on board. And uh, so then our director added uh, Lance Silp to, our, to, to the staff. And then I realized Abby Demi and uh, Kent uh, Jones, who's here, you know, also had a passion for supporting TAs. And so then I and then we have the this structure at our university called the Faculty Initiative Project. And Lance and Abby Demi and Kent and I got together and just said, hey, what if, you know, look, this is a big thing and there seems to be a lot of problems and we need to figure out how to improve this program. So how about if we... Uh, apply for some extra money uh, through a faculty initiative grant and uh, through our university. And then let's come up with different ways that we could improve this program and figure out how to make it better. So we brainstormed and uh, read an article by who is that Sharples and Blatchford. Uh, and most of the articles we found were honestly based on the sort of micro level of TAs in the classroom. Uh, and then, um, Chris, your articles as well on sort of the, well, the intuitions of TAs themselves and how it improves their lives, for example. Um, I, we looked at those and um, at the same time, we were trying to decide, well, administratively, how can we improve it? And how would we know if we administratively at the meso level sort of improve our program? How on earth would we know that it's better at the micro level in the classroom? and between the TAs and the learners. And that's such a hard thing to do. So how could we wrap, get our arms around this, this problem of how could we create the conditions at the administrative and teacher level so that we could actually create a, uh, a, a, the conditions for measuring impacts that TAs can make on, on learning in a large program. Does that make sense? It does. And also, I, I just want to bring in for people who haven't read the paper, and I, and I always strongly recommend that people who are listening to this podcast actually go and read the paper. But you do introduce very early on this idea of micro, meso and macro when it comes to organizing a teaching assistant program. And so the micro being the actual in the classroom, so the, the teacher and the TA, the students, uh, the meso being the coordinator level, and then the macro being the, the upper administrators and the administration of the university. And I think that this is this is a, an important thing to introduce into it because it really does help define where the stakeholders are in the system. Um, I'd like to bring Kent into this uh, discussion to ask about, um, Paul mentioned that you had an interest in teaching assistants and how they help in a language classroom. Could you speak to that a little? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so basically the point of view that I was looking uh, at was very much the micro level. So like what was happening in the classrooms. My main contribution to the paper was a um, observation project where um, I got eight teachers to observe classes. They conducted about uh, 15 observations in the classrooms of 15 different teachers. What they were looking for was how TAs were interacting with the students in the classes. And um, because in the Sharples, the, the paper by Sharples that we, um, that we refer to quite a lot in our paper, and they talk about how TAs should be utilized in structured tasks as opposed to unstructured tasks. What I had noticed before doing the observations was that there was quite a lot of, uh, in the TA role, mingling with the students or what we would call unstructured tasks. And uh, I wanted to see the extent to which the TAs were involved in the lessons. What came out of the observations was looking at how certain class dynamics, like certain class activities, lent themselves to the TA presence more than others. So for example, TOEFL classes or test days were quite poor in terms of the amount of structured interaction that could possibly be facilitated. Uh, whereas speaking practice or um, sort of student-centered kind of activities were, uh, were much better. 
Well, you, you mentioned the, the idea of mingling, and uh, this is something that you can observe in all cases when TAs are used, because they are, of course, teaching assistants, and they are there to assist the students, but they're also students themselves. So they may meet on class, and uh, the, the specific place that we're talking about, uh, Ritzmerkan APU, uh, has quite a compact campus, and so the likelihood of meeting the person who is assisting you in your class is quite high. Was your conclusion of this study that this mingling was a, a generally positive behavior for both language learning and also, you know, community building? Of course it is, but my concern was that um, it shouldn't dominate every, every aspect of the right. class and every aspect of what the TAs do. Certain activities such as, for example, modeling or taking on a role uh, within the lesson behaviors that I wanted to um, instill in the TAs, especially through training, get them to understand that they are facilitators of English usage. And um, a way to do that effectively is to become part of the lesson instead of being a distraction from the lesson, basically. Okay, well, let's let's then talk about the specifics of the program that you that we're talking about here. So what was what was the first step in working out a way to restructure the course in a in a positive way at each of the levels, the micro, the meso and the macro? I think I could I can speak a little bit to that, at least the initial stages. So even before we did the report that led to the publication of this article, what we realized quickly was that we needed to get more feedback from both TAs and the, and the teachers. And the way we did that was to um, launch surveys. So we started surveying and trying to get feedback from faculty and TAs right at the initial onset, just to, like we had this undercurrent of dissatisfaction, but what were they dissatisfied about? We wanted to know what they were interested in, the, how they wanted to improve the program and what they wanted to improve exactly. So we started with that and quickly we found that both faculty and students were, or I should say the TAs were on the same page. For example, TAs didn't know when to step in into a lesson or how to step in. They didn't know what to communicate to teachers about in terms of students' progress in class. They had noticed certain things, but they didn't know how to communicate these to the faculty they were working with. On the other side of it, faculty also wanted TAs to communicate more with them. They wanted TAs to take more initiative. So it seemed like both sides wanted similar things, but they didn't know how to bridge the gap between them. So we, we realized that we needed to um, put in place training or something to start meeting these needs that they had raised. So that's how we started to uh, revamp or change the program in some ways. I think simultaneous to that was we, we realized, you know, we're a very highly coordinated program. And so all classes uh, on the, all speaking classes get a TA. And that's whether the, the teacher doesn't have a choice. That's just that's how a highly coordinated program works. We want the students to have a, a, an equal experience, whether they're in the 15th section of the class or the first section of that class. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, and at the same time, our, we don't have a system where the TAs can, because they're undergraduate TAs, um, they, they're not just free to meet with teachers where they want and book their on a work record system. They actually are only allowed to work during class and, you know, like five minutes before and after class in you know the the confines of that lesson time and because that was a, a big limit then what we did was we cut out uh we budgeted so that ta we would we could cut out some days when tas were visiting and then we created a position called a lead ta and another position called a course rep representative and the course representative is a faculty member who knows that course well and then we could have 
what I created was an advisory system, basically, so that those course representatives who are experts on the curriculum for a particular course could meet with a TA leader from that particular level. And then that way we had lines of communication. We could meet with, with those leaders extra times during the semester and focus on developing um, systems that would improve the implementation of TAs in, in that particular course. Yeah, the, the idea of communication, uh, just to take one step back uh, and put it into a, an academic sense in terms of the academic literature. When I was putting together my TA project, I couldn't find many papers on teaching assistants. So I had to find analogous positions. And the two that I found in Japan were assistant language teachers and uh, team teaching. And assistant language teachers are people early on in their career. Usually they're just, they've just graduated from their undergraduate course and they come over to places like Japan, Hong Kong, Korea, and they are utilized in the classroom. The outcome of those studies generally is that the lack of communication, usually caused by the lack of time for the teacher in the classroom, uh, means that there's not a lot of feedback for how well that assistant language teacher is doing, which was something that is fixed by having a team teaching situation. When both people are using the same textbook, they are sharing methodologies, they're meeting quite a lot, but usually these are qualified teachers. So I'm, I'm very interested in this uh, system of having a lead TA and a course representative to create this advisory system. Was this facilitated by, by new media? Was this done through course management system? Was it done through uh, email, Google Forms? How did you develop this system? Uh, so part of the problem we realized at the beginning was that, you know, when we had trainings and so forth, really, we were always dependent upon volunteers, teachers coming to, and, and it would always be part-time teachers. Um, uh, and and, and that just didn't seem right. So the course representative created a role for teachers to where they could get recognition for the work they're doing in supporting the TA program. But it also meant that they committed to coming to a task training uh, workshop with the lead TAs uh, and the other course reps. And it meant coming to the training sessions with TAs and it meant helping with uh, uh, our sort of advisory special meeting where we could plan for the second quarter training and, uh, and also help with the recruiting and the interviewing of TAs so that we would have leaders really taking responsibility for all that part. Because what we were, well, for me, I realized it takes a village to have a great TA program. Everyone needs to be bought into it. And there's a lot of stakeholders. You have the TAs, you have the students, you have the teachers, you have administrators, and you have office people. And that's a lot of people. And when some people are not really carrying the ball, uh, it can create a, a sort of unsustainable set of problems that are constantly arising. And that's, that's hard for administrators to take care of all the time. So, um, uh, so that really helped us to, to put that together. And so it was basically creating a schedule of meetings and it was face-to-face, -face. it was pre-pandemic. So right. um, it was at that time, yeah. <laughs> we all remember that time. <laughs> Those days. That's a really good thing to, to move on to because the, the system of, of TAs, is particularly with undergrads, when you've only got like three or four years of them, actually, no, maybe, Maybe you've only got like three years of them having eligibility. I, I don't know if first year students can apply to be a, a TA. Yeah, we're more and more, well, we aim for second year is kind of the sweet spot. I mean, if you can get a really good person in their second semester in their first year to apply, then they start in the beginning of their second year. You have a TA for two years before their job hunting, which is pretty nice, yeah. And also, they, these are two like parallel systems that are running because for people who are listening outside of Japan, usually contracts run for three, five, seven years. And so you have to kind of get teachers in a sweet spot as well when they're motivated enough and they're not job hunting either. So you know, the stakeholders are also at different parts of their uh, career as well. True. It's pretty dynamic. Let's go into the paper and, and talk about the program that you you put together how did you change the systems of 
recruitment and training and uh, most importantly as it comes to as i mentioned at the beginning uh you know the genetic memory of a course the retention of teaching assistants within the system okay well so back to me just really quick on recruiting i think as far as recruiting tas when you need to have scheduled 55 tas um, for a program uh, you can't really be informal about it, but actually we were rather, it was rather informal in the way we recruited at first. And so we didn't really understand how many, I didn't understand how many people we needed in a pool, but uh, when we realized that, and I think Abby Demi helped me realize this too, especially she, she said, you know, let's, let's interview more people. And so then we put an ad out, you know, that went three times on campus terminal over over a month and a half and we went from 30 applications to getting 90 applications and when we had 90 applications now i mean since we we instituted the program we we have consistently have had between 70 and 90 applications and then we interview about 50 and then we accept about between 15 and 30 tas and that formalization really helped a, a lot as well as with the advisory board, we created a rubric of these are the these are the actual criteria we want to evaluate a TA on, and teachers should evaluate them on, and what we should hire for. And so, having the advisory board helped us to create uh, our prior list of priorities in terms of the qualifications and the qualities of the people we wanted as TAs. We also realized that through the service that I mentioned earlier that we needed to address the specifics of the needs that had been mentioned in terms of TAs taking initiative. So one of the things we also put in and we worked on more was doing um, modeling and uh, role plays in the training. So the trainings became less of um, not so much about informing them of their administrative roles or their duties to the university in terms of um, how you become a TA or the forms you need to sign to get paid, but more con the, the concrete of their role, what they will be facing in the classroom. So at one point we brought in textbooks for them to see the textbooks that the students will be using. So they had a chance to see it beforehand before actually step into the classroom. We also brought in um, the schedule for the class. Initially, some TAs had no idea when certain things will be happening. So we brought in course calendars we changed things like that. We had role plays where TAs would get uh, a chance to answer, give a model answer, just like we wanted students to give so that they could help students practice when they were actually faced with their role in the classroom. So we brought things in like that. And we also brought in teachers. We were able to uh, have more teachers attend and even have specific teachers that TAs would work with. So at the end or near the end of training, we would pair them up with each other to just begin that getting to know each other, communicating pro uh, process, what, what are the expectations on both sides? So I think this helped to smooth the relationship and facilitate it a bit better. And I'm not sure what else we brought in, Ken. Do you remember some of the other things we did as well? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that basically those are the main, the main points and um, what we've been doing now just a few of small sort of tweaks that have been made to the training is um, we're now doing things by level. So for example, the um, uh, scenario prompts where uh, TAs are called on to, uh, to answer a question that they would face in class, um, those were changed so they'd be different um, depending on each level um, because uh, after all um, elementary level is and the upper intermediate level are quite different in terms of the level of language that uh, the TAs are expected to use. We're also talking a bit more now about the evaluations. And that's sort of something that I wanted to, uh, to mention in terms of the, uh, the retention. Paul mentioned that we, um, we had set up a uh, criteria uh, for TAs in recruiting. But that criteria also um, follows the, the TA and they're, they're expected to keep to a certain standard throughout their time as a TA. 
And um, so the evaluations, we have a system of evaluations where um, the TAs around the, the middle of the semester, they submit their um, self-evaluations and they're encouraged to share those self-evaluations with uh, teachers to get feedback from them uh, on areas that they, that they need to improve. Teachers can take a look at this TA self-evaluation and, and just either agree or disagree with the, the TA self-evaluation. And then um, at the end of the semester, the, uh, the teacher actually fills out that form for the TA, um, or, or not for the TA, but about the TA. And um, that evaluation goes on to the TA's record and um, the TA's score on that evaluation determines their ranking. If the TAs get a low ranking, um, or sorry, if the TAs get a low score on the TA evaluation, then it's very unlikely that they will uh, be invited to, uh, to TA uh, in the next, in the coming semester. I just wanted to add to that, actually. You just reminded me, Kent, I think the added benefit of having TA scoring or TA self-evaluation, which they were just trying to, they were uh, starting to get into when I left the institution was back then we were able to recognize TAs that were really good at what they were doing. And they were sort of like model TAs. So during training as well, they took more of a leadership role in um, training other TAs, mentoring them. So there's, there was like an extra layer of mentorship. So we had TAs mentoring TAs and then teachers mentoring TAs as well. So I think that was kind of like a safety net that wasn't there before. And that also helped lead to the TA advisory board, I believe, Paul. So oftentimes when uh, students take teaching assistant roles, they think they're going to be quite passive. But in reading your paper and knowing the background to your program, I know that students are asked to take quite an active role in the classroom. Uh, in the evaluations and the self-evaluations that the students made, uh, did they bring this up? Um, was their expectation different from what they actually experienced in the classroom? Whose expectation are you talking about? The TAs or the teachers? I'll take either <laughs> or both. I could quickly speak to that. Okay. okay. I think for the TRO at APU, in the English language classroom anyways, I think by this point, and even when I was there, TAs had become more aware of what the roles entailed. And some people were coming by word of mouth. And then when we had the interviews, so we got even better at interviewing people, like Paul mentioned, recruiting and interviewing. We had a better idea as we went along in terms of what we wanted, the type of people we wanted. So even during the interviews, TAs, we could quickly see the type of types of people we wanted. And TAs also got a better feel of, okay, uh, maybe this is not what I want or, and the training as well helped them along. So I think by the time they came to the classroom, it was a bit better, I wanna say, from the evaluation as well, it would have reflected, they would have been able to see. So I'll let Paul and Kent answer that. And Paul, and specifically, if I could ask you, how about with the teachers then? Because it seems like through word of mouth, the TAs who are coming to the English program understood more of what the role was going to be expected of them. Were the teachers who were joining the program, did they have this same understanding? Uh, well, I think that I think that for on the teacher's part, they would like to have the most professional TAs walk into their class who are very comfortable mingling with students, but also initiating conversations when they're supposed to, but also hanging back and not interrupting the teacher or correcting the teacher. You know, I think we have high expectations of what we want as a TA because there's just not a lot of time for us to train them within the, within our own classroom. And um, unfortunately, so I feel like teachers have consistently asked us to help them to have better skills in, you know, creating immediacy and, and mingling with students and getting them to feel comfortable talking in their second language to them. 
that is uh, a, still a consistent need. And I think when you're hiring 18 year olds or 19 year olds to be TAs for the first time in an undergraduate language program in a, a different country than they came from, you know, they're, they're international students mostly, um, they're, they're in a new country. I mean, they, they may have only spent one semester in Japan uh, lots of times and or they're new at being a TA. So I think there's a fair amount of anxiety on the part of new TAs. And, and so I think I can understand how they might hang back or be hesitant. Proactivity is a consistently recurring request um, on the part of all the stakeholders for either more training and how to be more proactive in the classroom and for teachers, how, how can you help the TAs to be more proactive? And I'm wondering what you guys think about that or if there's other things I'm missing. No, I think that that's an important aspect of it for sure. Um, and I think that that was something that might've been lacking. I, I also think that in terms of the way that we're running the program now, with the evaluations that I mentioned earlier, is that if TAs are not proactive, there tends to be quite a, uh, they don't do as well on the, on the evaluations, basically. Well, could I ask you uh, directly, Kent, and then I'll, uh, this is a question that uh, Paul and Abby Deming can think about while we're talking about it. Um, but if a, a TA was, wasn't proactive in, in your class, and you didn't want to give them a, a low ranking on self-evaluation, perhaps because they were not prepared for this kind of, of work. Uh, would you counsel a TA? What, what advice would you give to someone who uh, was not particularly proactive, but you, you thought that they were helpful to the class in other ways? How would you counsel them to be more proactive, as you say, in their role as a teaching assistant? Well, definitely, um, you observe the the uh, situations in which they are less proactive and give them advice about it. Um, so, for example, uh, in nowadays we, we're doing a lot of classes online. I think that TAs are a little bit; they feel a little bit awkward with breakout rooms, for example. Mm -hmm. What I do is. Um, well, I will go into the breakout room with them and, um, and just, you know, give them some kind of like small task, like, um, so yeah, please go into the breakout room and ask the students about how they're getting along with the task or if they have any questions or something like that. And so I'll go in there with the TA, let the TA do all of the talking and then come out of the breakout room afterwards and uh, and just go over exactly how I thought that the um, the interaction went and maybe give them some 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 tips like not to not to be too hesitant or maybe the way that they approach the students they, there could be some way to improve that so yeah those, those kind of things so I think that with TAs that are less proactive maybe um, taking a little bit of time to work with them in the situations where we want them to be more proactive can help them to actually function independently in the future. In the advisory group, what we tried to do with the course representatives is identify important tasks in the course that would be repeating over time and also be assessed and and then try to determine well how could what what is how could the TAs take a role and meet in small groups with students and improve the student's performance on that particular task and so where Kent is going with this idea of the structured tasks we just since um, since it looked like there was within structured tasks there was more interaction going on between the TAs and the learners then we tried to look at designing tasks and experiment with tasks. So we started especially with speaking activities and, um, and lo and behold, because we spent time say creating a, you know, a task where TA and the learner or two learners would sit outside the classroom and practice for a speaking test and go through a battery of, of activities, 
um, or maybe they would have a, a set of questions they would ask to the, the students and get familiar with the, the student. So by creating these spaces for the TAs and learners to work in in a structured way, that was kind of following the Sharples article. Um, and what turned out at the end is in our, in our um, triangulated satisfaction survey at the end of the, the FIP was that definitely those kind of tasks that we had been working on were the ones that students reported um, TAs being the most helpful to them in. Does that make sense? And so I think that's, uh, for me as an applied linguist, it's exciting to find ways we can research particular types of tasks and how TAs can be involved in them. And so one of my follow-up articles that should be coming out in the next year is on TAs uh, and their ability to facilitate uh, group discussion based on a reading. So in a literature circle. And so looking at some of those things. And so anyway, that's my teaser for, for another uh, podcast down the road, maybe. But um, that's kind of where we're going is how could we create standard operating procedures within a sp specific task that could help TAs to be successful uh, with really specific language learning objectives? Does that make sense? Well, you've heard it here first, folks. There's more to come from Paul. Abidemi, if I could ask you the same question, but with a, with a, with a slight change to it. In the future, having learned what you have from this project and working with TAs, what will be or what would you recommend to be the first things to say uh, when you meet your teaching assistant for the first time about getting them ready for the tasks that you're going to ask them to do in class? <laughs> That's actually a really good question, Chris. I think it's really important, like I alluded to earlier, about communication. Communication is very important between uh, teachers and TAs, having that relationship. So I think uh, helping the TA to feel comfortable and welcomed also is a big part of it. I think initially when we started the study, there was also this sense because some faculty were uncomfortable uh, having TAs come in because maybe they weren't exactly sure how to use them. So some TAs were just relegated to the back of the classroom and just weren't given any instructions. So I think just making the TA feel welcomed and needed, and that would also be part of the teacher knowing the specific things for the TAs to do. Why are they in the classroom? What types of tasks am I going to give to them to do to make them feel involved? And if you feel like the TA is not um, fulfilling what you, the purpose you want them to be there for, maybe pulling that person aside um, during the break in the class or at the end of the class for the few minutes that you have and just letting them know gently and trying to direct and lead them in the way you would like them to act. And during the class, making sure you have specific tasks to give them to show as a model so that eventually the TA will realize that, oh, okay, this is the way my teacher would like me to act or this is the way they would like me to help the students. I think when TAs have that initial instruction and they know what is expected of them, when they know their expectations, this is another thing that came out of our study, having specific and clear TA roles and guidelines. If it's unclear, then both parties, the teachers and the uh, TAs are unclear. When they're unclear, they don't know where you're going with this relationship or how uh, TAs are to function in the classroom. But when there's clarity, and that comes also with the task specific uh, structure that Paul mentioned, when there's clarity, it makes things a lot easier. And it makes it, the onus comes onto the TA as well. So re you realize that it's not just, oh, the person's not being proactive, but maybe they don't, they're not like that. Maybe their personality is not like that, or maybe they just can't fulfill th that role. And then they need to take a step back and maybe find something else. Well, still on the mic micro level, I'd, I'd like to ask you because you, you because you brought this up, Abby Demi, but also like Paul and Kent, if you can think about this point, if faculty are uncomfortable with the use of uh, teaching assistants, and it's still at the micro level, it's still in the classroom, but not on the teaching assistants part, but on actually the the instructors part, how could you possibly convince uh, an instructor who was not 
initially open to using a teaching assistant in the class in the kind of language instructor role? How could you convince them to interact, as you say, gently and assist uh, with the TA becoming more comfortable in the class? Can I answer this question? Uh, of course. I think that this is actually an area that, um, that still needs a bit of work within our program. Uh, I think that we've done quite a lot in terms of TA training or TA development, um, but I think that what's missing are more faculty development sessions uh, in which we address these issues with teachers. As Paul said, with the TA trainings, they tend to be uh, only attended by part-timers because part-timers can get extra can get extra pay for attending extra meetings, right? Um, and then the um, the the TA representatives um, sort of they they get their own um, they get some some recognition for their role. Um, but what we really need to do is find ways to to converse with with regular teachers, regular full-time teachers in the way that you're you're rec that you're recommending now um, to talk to them about how they can um, how they can mentor TAs. I think that's really something that needs to be done with a faculty development session. And um, that's something that that we we need to work on. So Kent, you're saying separate from not having TAs there, but just working with the teachers without TAs there and, yeah. and talking about their issues with TAs. That's right. And I, be, I think, Paul, we did a little bit of that at the beginning as well. Certainly when I was there, we had, was it one or two sessions during faculty development time where we talked about TAs and issues and we tried to give uh, faculty pointers on how to make use of TAs in their class. And this was separate yeah. from TA training. And I think faculty was quite receptive to that. Not 100%, not everybody's going to take up everything you say, but they, the fact that we involved them and we got some of the ideas as well, I think it makes them more receptive as well because they see that we're trying to do this for them. And then you go in there, you try and convince them, bring people that are using TAs and maybe people that were once skeptical, but now they know better how to use TAs and they see advantages to having TAs in their class. And maybe bring those people in to sell people that might still be hesitant on the idea and then bring get ideas from faculty themselves. What, you have no choice, basically. You have to have a TA. So what, how would you like this to go? And maybe through brainstorming together, people will, more people will come on board. That's true. And I think when, uh, and Kent might add to this too, but I think that having those, we've had more of those workshops uh, and where the course representative lead teachers can meet with teachers from their level and have time to really talk about the issues in small groups at a, at a workshop has been, I think, a, a helpful thing and, and we need to do more of it for sure. So to kind of bring this interview to a close, I, I'm sure that we could all speak about this to no end and I include myself in that um, group. I just want to bring up the diagram that you bring up on page 161 of your paper, um, which is a triangle, three sides, uh, that includes constructive alignment, faculty development and sustainability, but at its center is quality. So my final question to all three of you is what advice would you give to other institutions that are interested in having a quality teaching assistant program uh, in the future to assist with their language development programs? I think for me, just like have been concerned right from the onset, I think uh, feedback from the stakeholders that you're working with, specifically the TAs and faculty is very important. And I, I love the fact that we started with surveys and we were able to gain a lot of information and feedback from that. Although sometimes people say surveys are, they give you a picture of the people that are either the most displeased or the happiest people. But I think the fact that we were able to stay connected with faculty, even 
outside of the surveys, we would talk to people and we would try to get a sense of how they were going with their TAs or feeling. So from that, we were able to get a lot of feedback that we incorporated into um, our training sessions and the program overall. So I think it takes, it takes a lot of work, but if you have the right people or people in place, not just on one level, but make sure you have people at the micro, macro and meso levels as well. So you have different diff people in different levels of power that can talk to different people also and get feedback from different areas definitely help. And if I can do a shameless plug as well, I, I wrote up on some of the successes and challenges that we found when we did the surveys at the onset into our program to find out how people were feeling about it. So you can read up on that as well and just read different papers. There's, there's a few more out there. There's more research out there that should help people. So they can also start from there so that you're not just learning from scratch. You can build your program on the backbones of what has been done in the past is what I would recommend. And I think, you know, I think it comes down to people uh, and their commitment and communication, like Abby Demi mentioned, and having a quality program is, is a lot of buy-in from a lot of stakeholders. And I, I want to point out that Lance Stilp, who is one of our co-authors and my co-coordinator on the program from starting in 2017, you know, he and I sat down a lot because the first problem and the reason it's at the bottom of the triangle, sustainability, is because there are a lot of fires to put out if your program is not coordinated well. And so Lance and I really realized that a lot of problems were happening at the same time and we needed to have crossover skills because I might be teaching on one day and that's when a problem arises and he needs to solve a problem on that day. So we actually offset our schedules so that we were always available, someone was always available to make sure problems were figured out. And then we made a list of those problems and we started cutting them out. So for example, at first, TAs were only scheduled for uh, the first half of the semester. And then uh, some TAs would have a different class in the, in the second half. And so we were spending you know, three days of our quarter break uh, trying to reschedule TAs or working with the office. And it was a complete waste of time. And those also then the teacher had to get on board with a new TA and the students didn't know that TA. And so we just cut that out and said, don't do that anymore, ever. Like never, ever, ever. And that stopped. And uh, and it was, you know, there's just simple things that you can do sometimes that make a program easier to handle so that you can actually get to the faculty development and the constructive alignment of how does a TA actually be effective in discussion facilitation, you know, and helping to, to build their actual, you know, skills with different kinds of moves and particular, you know, language pieces, right? So all of those things, they're all interdependent, I think. And at the heart of it all is, is uh, teachers and administrators. And I think the students are on board. They, they love having TAs in their class in general. And um, so I, I think that's kind of the main thing, but we, we sort of discovered really, you know, we were just coming up with how, what are ways we can fix this program? Like it's a mess. And then when we got to the end, we said, okay, well, here's all the things we did. Can we categorize those? And it was interesting to see that constructive alignment, faculty development and sustainability were sort of the three emerging themes um, that were at the coordinator level for us. So that was a good thing to learn. So uh, uh, final thoughts, Mr. Jones? Yes, um, I'd say evaluations is also very important. Um, and I think that it's related to this, this idea of getting all the stakeholders on board. And I think that teachers' voices are very important, especially uh, in terms of evaluating TAs and just making sure that everybody's on the same page in terms of the evaluations, because the evaluations are critical. They decide on whether a TA is going to continue or not. Um, so just making sure that everybody's on the same page about the expectations of the TA, I think is very important. And I think it's still ongoing. We're still working on, on uh, making sure that, that everybody's on the same page and that 
um, everybody is in agreement on these criteria and that the TAs are following them and that also that the, uh, that the teachers are evaluating their TAs fairly. Uh, it's all been, a, it's all a team effort. And uh, I think finding that recipe, you know, for a program, we found the recipe of doing a faculty initiative project, sort of setting a goal and saying, okay, we're going to spend a year, we're going to try to get a little extra money. And, you know, the first semester, we're going to design uh, reforms. And then second semester, we're going to implement those reforms. And we're going to um, report on those at a conference. And uh, that 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 kind of structure really helped us to work together and uh, to really identify our objectives and to implement all of these different changes. And it led to um, so many good things. Um, we had we went from about fifty something percent retention to seventy six percent or something um, after the initiative. And and what that meant was we had a lot more TAs staying with us who were experienced and they knew what they were doing. And um, and then we did this triangulated survey at the end between all the stakeholders and basically we had 90% satisfaction between the, and that was agreement between students, teachers and TAs and they were all surveyed separately. So I think, um, I, I think we can all be really proud of the work that we put in Lance and Abidemi and Kent, um, just thanks so much. And to all of our teachers, we're so appreciative for so many teachers who put in uh, extra time to work with their TAs and TAs um, who are constantly there for the for the students. Like that, there's a, so much effort that goes into to this kind of program, and it's a great thing to be a part of. So that is a really positive point to go out on. It's been a fascinating conversation uh, between the three of you, and also your fourth co-author Lance Stilp uh, couldn't be with us today, but there is an open invitation at any time if he wants to join and uh, promote his work uh, it's always open for him the paper that we've been speaking about today is improving the impact of undergraduate english language tas at a top global university thank you very much indeed to paul seveny kent jones and abidemi bancole and i wish you all the best of luck in your future research thank you all right thanks chris thank you very thank you. much chris lost in citations is an audio journal that invites you to contribute your own interviews. If there's someone whose work you cite regularly and you'd like to hear more from them, then please feel free to arrange your own interview and submit it for consideration. For more information, go to lostincitations.com where you'll find our guide for contributors. What we ask is you submit a five minute audio sample before the interview so that we can help you with any audio quality issues. Then you can go ahead and record 45 minutes to an hour and submit it at lostincitations at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, we have Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter pages. Finally, a very helpful thing you can do is, if you like the work we're doing, recommend it to a friend. Thank you very much.